Thanksgiving Eve. Is that a thing? It's a thing. Happy Thanksgiving Eve on the busiest travel day of the world, of the year. Maybe. Wasn't too crazy getting over here to Golden One Center. But if you are heading somewhere, please be safe. Be careful. Get into those loved ones, family members, and those you claim to love. And then when you're there, you go, I don't, why do I love this uncle? Why am I, why am I so infatuated with this aunt of mine, this brother, this sister, this family member? I hope everybody does have a good Thanksgiving. And uh, maybe more and more of you are together this year. I know it's been, it's been weird. No, no doubt about that for all of us. Um, but uh, we do welcome you in here to the show. We do have Kings basketball coming up tonight. The Kings are here at Golden 1 to close out a homestand that's been uh, ugly. It's been bad. No other way around it. And uh, no other opportunity then or no other choice but to take advantage of another opportunity tonight. It'll either uh, turn around and get better on a night or continue down the same path as they welcome in the Portland Trailblazers today. So we have that coming up. Well, of course, we're going to discuss a lot about that. We uh, missed it yesterday. It was great having Katie in. Uh, But we didn't get our uh, new week of NFL Top 5, Bottom 5. We will discuss that today. We will have uh, a couple of guests as well. Our weekly visit with Lincoln Kennedy. The Raiders are one of the teams playing tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. So we will check in with Lincoln in a little bit. And then at 5 o'clock, Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will join us. And, uh, of course, at 5.30, it'll be game night. Scott Marsh and the high flyer Henry Turner will have that. I hope you enjoyed Scott with... Frank LaRosa on our Golf to Go Golf Hour weekly show there dedicated to golf. And there's just so much. I mean, I was thinking about it today driving over here. How beautiful of a day it is today. Today would have been a day to get out there and play some golf. Just a great day here in uh, in the capital city. And like we said, another opportunity uh, for the Kings to be in action tonight and see if they uh, how they fare. But as we said, Chris, I want to check in with you on this. Do you have any uh, family Thanksgiving, I don't know, traditions or rituals that you guys uh, – have done as the Verlod family? Okay, so there's no one location, but any kind of, is it just a standard turkey kind of meal, or do you have any other little unique things you think to your family? I, I gotcha. So it might be depending on who's hosting that maybe that group does something different? Yeah, we're just sort of flies on the wall. <laughs> I can't picture you as a, Anything but someone that's stirring it up with your family. Uh, that's after a couple of drinks. Okay. Well, again, that's why I can't picture you doing anything else but stirring it up. So uh, we do wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving on this uh, Thanksgiving Eve. And, yeah, I mean, it's – to me, I've always enjoyed Thanksgiving. Not so much for um, what we end up seeing a lot of is football. The, the We're going to get the Lions again. Yippee! Cowboys are always there. I'm intrigued because it's Cowboys Raiders. Always kind of partial to see what the Raiders are doing. Um, the third game, I can't remember how many years ago they added that. Maybe it's been eight to ten years or so, but uh, the Bills and Saints. Again, all three of those games can be heard here on Sports 1140 tomorrow. So we look forward to that and much more. But let's get you started here today with First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. First all right, we're going to start with the Kings in action tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. A little bit uh, tricky to figure out Portland, who obviously has gotten things together at a much better clip than uh, the Kings have. They faced one time earlier this year, and on that day, it was a really good day for the Kings. It was the season opener. Kings had come in, I would say, with confidence based on their preseason and did a really good job of building a nice lead on Portland and then had to hang on to win. Remember, they were outscored something by 10 or 12 points in the fourth but one by just three, 124-121 in the opener. And if we look back at this night, man, this is the kind of game 
you want from the Kings. Harrison Barnes had 36. Remember, he had eight threes in that game. Uh, Rashawn Holmes, 21 and 11, was a plus minus plus 20. Fox went for 27. Uh, let's see, off the bench, Buddy was the sniper, hitting 17 on four made threes, six boards. Kings were out-rebounded, but not by much. Uh, they were outshot, but that didn't matter. Made more threes, that was a big deal. Made more free throws and ended up taking care of the ball better than Portland. And it was a 124-121 win. You even want to see the rotations then. They started Barnes, Harkless, Holmes, Halliburton, and Fox in the season opener. The four that played off the bench that day, Tristan Thompson, Buddy Heald, Davion Mitchell, and Terrence Davis. For Portland, they went Powell, Covington, Nurkic, McCollum, and Lillard, and then played Nasir Little, Larry Nance Jr., Cody Zeller, and Anthony Simons. The biggest thing that I remember of that game, the takeaway from that one, was the struggle of Damian Lillard. He was 8 of 24, but 0 for 9 from 3, had 20 points, 6 boards, 11 assists, and had that opportunity with that last 3. I really wanted the Kings to foul up 3. They let Damian take a deep 3 that was open that hit the heel of the rim and went out. I was pretty certain that was going to be the one he was going to make, but it was a win. It started the Kings at 1-0, and and the odd part about Portland, that's their only home loss was the season opener to the Kings. Now, they only have one road win, so that's a little bit bizarre. Um, the other part of this is the fact that Portland played last night, but they played. They look good. Here's how some of that sounded. Ball stripped out of the hands of Barton, picked up by CJ in the open court. Slows it down, gives it to Dave. Three-pointer, buries it! Blazers lead by 11! McCollum out on the far side, picks up his dribble as he's double-teamed. Now to Little. He starts to dribble, goes left, hands it back to CJ. He goes right, runs it up off the glass, and banks it in. It's a Rip City winner. 119-100. The Blazers improved to 10-8. and 9-1 and at home, NBA best. And the Nuggets drop to 9-9. Nine and nine. Yeah, a lot of the Western Conference is kind of hovering around that 500 mark, including the two teams that played last night, Denver and Portland. But Portland did win, so they worked themselves back above 500. They're in the sixth spot at 10-8. and eight. And as you heard there on the call there from the Blazers Radio Network, 9-1 and one at home. That means nine straight home wins. Their only loss, as we said, was to the Kings. But the other thing that's really changed here lately is Dame Lillard. He has been playing so much better. He's the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week. And when you've got Dame, you've got CJ, you've got a problem for the opposing team. So that's obviously going to be a key matchup tonight. And as far as the Kings go, we saw one tweak to the starting lineup. We saw, for the most part, the same guys that have been playing. And we're going to hear more sound, more reaction as well from Alvin Gentry, from Tristan Thompson on today's show about what they have to keep doing, how they have to keep going to work. This team is in a bad way at 6-12, and 12, haven't looked good in the last stretch, not only just losing one of uh, going 1-8, and eight, but it's been how many of these games in the last five minutes they haven't had a chance to win. And I think the Philly game really bothered a lot of people, understandably so. Sixers looked more cohesive, looked more desperate even, let's say, um, looked had to have more of a desire to find a way to win. And if any team in that game had excuses, it could have been Philly. They were missing their best player, their probably second or third best player, fourth best player, their five starters. They were missing them all. And they played cohesively. They figured out a way how to win at the end. And, again, they had the excuses built in. The Kings didn't. This team's healthy. They've made the coaching change. What's next? They've got to figure it out together. 
That's what has to happen for the Sacramento Kings to get back on the track that they think they could be on. So we'll get more into this game. Kings 6-12, and 12, Blazers 10-8, and eight. and that other part about the Kings, they need to figure this out here at home. I mean, we are all disappointed with the 1-3 and three road trip based on the schedule. It would be awful to have a 1-3 and three homestand, but it would be okay at this point because you'd have a win. There's a chance that this is an 0-4 homestand. Man, and it's just sliding the wrong direction so quickly, and that's how fast this can change. It was a couple of Fridays ago, the peak of the season. They blew out Charlotte in this building to go 5-4, and four, and even some of those losses, they looked better and more competitive and feels like everything looked right. And here we are just less than three weeks later. They fired Luke Walton, and they're 1-8. and eight. Mm, It has changed drastically on the Kings. So more on that coming up, but let's get you more First Things First. First things first. First things first. first. Well, we talked about this yesterday when Katie was in Studio 2 about the the charm to me of college basketball. Uh, Last night, of course, we had the Big Sky battle, or the, uh, excuse me, the Causeway battle between Sacramento State and UC Davis. That was played right here at Golden One Center, and Sacramento State won that game. But the college headline game last night was number one versus number two. And I think college basketball does a really good job of that, and they can afford to play really tough schedules like that because... You know, it's not damaging if you lose. It's more rewarding if you win. And for me, I was really excited to see number two UCLA against number one Gonzaga. And there's a lot of high-level players on there. Gonzaga's got a lot of hype. They beat the Bruins last year in the semifinals on a bank shot from half court by Jalen Suggs, who ends up going high in the lottery at number five. But you knew there was just a lot of talent. UCLA brought basically everybody back. And Gonzaga... Uh, which had Holmgren, uh, Timmy, just that whole group that they've got now. Uh, they were a real problem, and yesterday ended up being a route. Andrews across half court. He's going to dribble the clock down, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs are going to post a dominating win over UCLA in the matchup of number one versus number two. Yeah, they built a 20-point halftime lead and ended up winning by 20. They just kind of cruised in. At 83-63, so the Bruins went to 5-1. and one. Gonzaga, they're good. That's a, I mean, it's always been good. It's a good program. They're legit all the time, and uh, they're going to be a problem. Chet Holmgren, one of the highest recruited players they've had, um, looks really good. He's so thin, but he's just so big and a good presence and a good distributor, decision maker, rim protector. Uh, he's going to be a nice pro when, uh, when his time comes. But, again, last night watching two high-level programs compete, it was very one-sided with Gonzaga getting the win, 83-63, as we're just getting started in the college basketball season. All right, more First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. first. All right, so tomorrow, Turkey Day. We got uh, three Thanksgiving Day games. And uh, the treat for all of you, at least out here on the West Coast, you get to wake up early and put on the TV and watch Detroit. Yeah. The Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears. Um, I'm doing it. I'm calling upset. I think the Lions win tomorrow. Finally, they get their first win. Bears seem to be in a disarray. They've lost, uh, what, four in a row. There's all the rumors about Matt Nagy, and he's denying those. And now there's team meetings going on and different things. I'm sure there's uncertainty in the locker room. Uh, the Lions know who their coach is. He may not be there a long time with Dan Campbell. Uh, for the most part, I think there's more of a talent issue with Detroit. But they go out, they compete, and if Chicago's not ready, this is one that could go in the wrong column for the Bears, and I think it might. I think Detroit, 
Oh, by the way, Andy Dalton will start for the Chicago Bears. And this is a season now where Chicago is that they believe they've got their quarterback of the future. He's going to be coached by a new coach next year, if not later this year, but a permanent coach coming up. And uh, they're going through some things there in Chicago. We played that audio yesterday where the Bulls were playing the Pacers and got absolutely annihilated for the Bulls' worst loss of the year. But the fans there in Chicago were chanting, fire Nagy at the Bulls game for a Bears team. I mean, that's how bad it is right now in Chicago for the Bears. And that's the first game of the triple header on Thanksgiving. And, you know, I am one for, I like traditions. I like uh, stability in that sense that it's Detroit and Dallas always. And, you know, their opponents change. And that third game always changes every year. But, you know, Detroit, for the most part, has just been so bad for 20, 30 years. I mean, there's there's an outlier team here and there. You know, Stafford had a team, I can't remember how many years back, that made the playoffs. Um, they've had some good individual players when you're thinking about Calvin Johnson and you know Stafford, certainly Barry Sanders going farther back. But that's the team we always get. And I don't know if it needs to be revisited. I, I bet it means a lot I, I, for people in Detroit, you know, just to have that stability. We were talking earlier on this show about you know, what? what is your family tradition or what is something that you always do as a family on Thanksgiving? I'm sure there's people that in Detroit, in that area, have crafted family traditions out of that game being played there at, what, noon their time, roughly 12.30 their time, and probably maybe get family over or go to the game and come back and have a meal, whatever it may be. I'm not saying that that can't be changed, but that's a been a huge tradition there, and it, it's now, you know, the game's been okay. It just depends. It's still the NFL. You never know what might happen. But that's a tradition that we're still going to get, seemingly, with the Lions opening up with the first game of the triple header. The middle game. Jason? Yes. I would like to defend Detroit keeping the Thanksgiving game. Wait a minute. Please please explain, Chris. Because it's a Thursday game. Yes. Thursday games are always terrible. Okay. So, so I, don't want, is. I don't want a good... Uh, you don't want to waste a game. I don't want to waste a game on Thanksgiving. I want you know, a good game on Sunday. Okay, which actually this week's schedule is great. It really is. But um, So you are guaranteeing a bad game on Thursday, which I will gladly take. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. I don't have a ton of Thanksgiving game memories that I – I mean, there are some. And, Chris, I generally – we have the TV on, like our family get-togethers where it, all over the years I remember that it's it's on. You know, maybe when we're eating dinner it might not be. Or sometimes it still is. And it's more of a, hey, check out the score. Oh, the game's close. All right, we watched the end. But I, I don't know. that I've definitely never sat down and, like, watched all the plays of all these games on Thanksgiving. Do you guys? Underrated Europa League games on Thanksgiving. Very underrated. Very underrated. Hey. They don't have Thanksgiving, so they're all up for it. Yeah. City broke through today, Chris, 2-1. They did. Oh, spoiler alert. No, you saw it. That's Champions League, not Europa League, Jason. I know. I just We were talking soccer earlier in the studio. And I was there. We talk soccer here. Yeah, we do. And I saw the goal. I told you, Chris, it's coming. And I was in the studio with you for about three minutes, and I saw the goal to tie it. I did. I did. So you're pro Detroit. Let's get the Lions. Maybe the Lions should play every Thursday night. Yeah. See All year. So I I think we – we agree. We both agree that it's going to be a bad game. Yes. But that's why I want it. Yes. But much like you, I'm now in that I've known you so long, you also like things that are so bad, they're good. But this is not one of those things. 
No. It's just bad. But I just but it's it's bad, but I want to keep it from something good being bad. <laughs> I think I got it. I think I got it. So that's the first game. It is the Bears and the Lions. Now the Cowboys have been better. That's a Thanksgiving tradition team. They've been uh, all over the board. They haven't been that Super Bowl team in a long time, but that's that's been a good football team throughout the years, much different than Detroit. They get the Raiders tomorrow, who are certainly sliding, and we're going to talk more about that with Lincoln Kennedy when he joins us at 4.30. Uh, but the other story with Dallas is uh, kind of their health. Uh, one C.D. Lamb, the other is Amari Cooper, who was out last week with COVID and scheduled to be out as well. Let's hear Jerry Jones address that. The facts are it is a wee thing when you walk into uh, the locker room. But this is a classic case of how it can impact a team when people are, at the end of the day, this is not individual, it is team. You cannot win anything individually. So all of that are statements that I know everybody has heard to their blue in the face. But the point is that this popped us. This did pop us. And he's talking about uh, the COVID situation there with Amari Cooper. So Cowboys, they're going to try to regroup after their loss this last weekend against uh, Kansas City. I thought that game would be a lot better than it turned out to be. And then you've got the Raiders, who are trying to avoid going under 500 for the first time and just really sliding and not looking good and trying to avoid that postseason or uh, late-season fade that's hit them the last couple of seasons. The third game of the Thanksgiving triple header will be the Bills and the Saints. And I think on the surface, that game looks pretty good. Uh, you know, wish New Orleans was fully healthy at the quarterback position, even the wide receiver position. I know Michael Thomas has been out all year. And Buffalo's uh, really intrigued me and surprised me to many levels here because, as you know, I picked them to win the Super Bowl, to be in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Still can happen, but you look at AFC teams around them that have been playing better, and I thought their security blanket before was, well, they're not going to lose their division. I mean, look, the Jets, they're not catching them. Uh, the Dolphins, not the Patriots. Well, the Patriots caught them and passed them. They're hotter than the Bills right now. And so Buffalo needs to regroup to get their season going back in a better direction. The AFC just has a, uh, a just a mosh of a bunch of teams that are going to try to fight for those top seven spots. And there's a lot of teams still in play here as we make it to week 12. So tomorrow will be an important week to get it started for the NFL. And then obviously this weekend, and there are really good games this weekend. I mean, Packers and Rams is going to be good. I'm really intrigued by the 49ers and the Vikings this weekend. They're just some really good games. Patriots and Titans. I mean, all the way down the board, I think there's some intriguing games. A lot of league matchups or division matchups, you know, Giants and Eagles and Broncos and Chargers. So you've got some teams with history, Bengals, Steelers, Ravens, Browns. This is going to be a good weekend. And the NFL the last couple weekends has given us some pretty good surprises. So I would expect more of that. I don't know how much we'll get tomorrow. If I'm picking tomorrow, I'm going upset with the Lions, Cowboys, and the Bills would be my three picks for tomorrow uh, on those Thanksgiving games. And remember, all three games can be heard right here on Sports 1140 KHDK. All right, let's get one more thing on First Things First. First Things First. First Things First. All right, let's go to college football. Yesterday it was officially announced, the new standings, the new bracket for the uh, postseason. And to no one's uh, real surprise after the developments last weekend with Oregon losing. So that bumped them out of the top four. Actually, they plummeted. And uh, now you got a situation with Cincinnati finally breaking free. They get in, and I think that's awesome 
for the sport. I think that's um, an opportunity for them to get in there and, and prove their worth. Uh, they've got a couple of games left to stay in that top four. You still have regulars like Georgia's number one. That's that's not changing. You've got Alabama still in that top four, but also Ohio State. So those are your four as it stands. But as you know, this weekend, you've got the whopper of all whopper matchups with Ohio State and Michigan. On Saturday, 9 a.m., number two versus number five. And so Michigan's path is it's right there for them. And I think about Coach Harbaugh who has been um, probably more fairly ripped than not, but he's been successful. He's won a ton of games, but he hasn't beaten Ohio State. He hasn't gotten to that Final Four game. It's right there in front of him, and I think about these other coaches that keep getting you know, 10-year deals. We just heard, talked about yesterday with Franklin at Penn State and some of these other coaches that are so highly regarded. Harbaugh has won a lot, a lot but he's missing the biggest wins at Michigan. And this one would be monumental for him because it would put them in the uh, bump them past Ohio State, give Ohio State their second loss, finally beat the Buckeyes, put them in the top four. Um, or the narrative would go, he can't win the big game. And that's what that's what's at risk for him. So let's hear Jim Harbaugh talk about that big game Saturday. Both teams uh, have a lot on the line. It's a true playoff in that sense in the college football playoff world. I mean, this is the start of the playoffs. team that wins will advance. Uh, the team that doesn't won't. So, uh, you know, it's got – it is that. Uh, and it's also, you know, the big game, the game, the rivalry. No need to hype it. I mean, it's the things we just talked about. I mean, this uh, – it's a playoff game. It's a rivalry game. It's at the highest level. Yeah, and I just – again, the pressure that's been – Put on him by others. I don't know that he he's feeling. Of course, he wants to beat Ohio State. Um, it would only be one win against them. But if there was ever a time for him, and how sweet it would be for the Wolverines to beat Ohio State, um, it would be like I said, the the double whammy, knocking Ohio State out of the top four, putting Michigan into the top four, and kind of redirecting the narrative of Harbaugh at Michigan. And and my thought on Michigan all the time has been. What Jim Harbaugh has done is consistently made them a top 10 program. That's really good. But people want them to be a top five. And I think that's more than fair to ask of him and of that program, of that tradition, because Ohio State is that. Clemson has been that. Now Clemson's down this year, but I don't know that that's going to last a long time. Alabama is that. They want them to get from that other tier of, you know, Penn State, Michigan State, good teams, good programs, to what Ohio State is. And Michigan in the past has been that, but there was also many years before Harbaugh got there that they just were flailing between maybe a really good season one time and then a six-win season. Harbaugh is consistently having them win a lot of games. He's got to win this one, not or he gets fired, because if Michigan did that, I really don't know what their next move is. I think it's worked. I think he's been good. It's just he has not been able to beat this Ohio State team, and if that's all it is for Michigan, then he has come up short. If it's a little bit more than, I mean, really has put the program further back into that tier, but I can know, I know that Wolverine fans are wanting that next jump and he's got a chance at it. He really does on Saturday. All right. So we got you started here with first things first, kind of the storylines of the day. Uh, so much more to get to Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com will join us at five Lincoln Kennedy at four 30, much more on the Sacramento Kings game tonight, including reaction from 
uh, Tristan Thompson from Alvin Gentry and what we can expect from the Kings and Blazers tonight. But when we come back, a couple more NFL notes, including a brand-new top five, bottom five from around the league now that we've seen another week of action. We'll get to that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHTK. Yeah, who's hot, who's cold right now? Top five, NFL, bottom five. As another week of action wrapped up on Monday night with a win for Tampa Tom. The Buccaneers got a win over the Giants. Cost Jason Garrett his job as the offensive coordinator for the Giants. They'll both be back in action. Another good game. We were talking about all the good games coming up this weekend. Uh, How about Tampa Bay and Indianapolis? The Colts and... Uh, got off that just amazing win against the Bills and Jonathan Taylor, just what, five touchdowns responsible for last week. So uh, the Colts are playing some good football, but that's going to be a really good game uh, coming up this weekend. Like we said, more football discussion, too, at 430 with Lincoln Kennedy. Get us the very latest on the Thanksgiving game tomorrow. Raiders and Cowboys look back at the Raiders and Bengals game, too. Another disappointing loss for the Raiders. And then Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com to join us at 5 o'clock. All right, so let's get into it. Let's look at, you know, each week we try to update our opinions, our thoughts on uh, the best of the NFL and the worst of the NFL, kind of the outliers. And the majority of the league is somewhere in between. That's why these lists change each week. And I was looking at last week's NFL bottom five that I had ranked. Um, We had a team that won down there. And usually when you get to that bottom five, you kind of stay there. And maybe the order shuffles around a little bit just based on how poorly you're playing or how much you were blown out by. So we'll go from 28 to 32, which would be the worst. At 28, because they won last week, they moved up, and it was one of the bizarre wins of the season, the Houston Texans. They took on the hottest team going in the Titans and uh, defeated them and and really kind of just bothered Ryan Tannehill, uh, forced him into mistake after mistake after mistake. And so the Texans have moved from one of the worst to the fifth worst. They're still bad. They only have two wins. They won week one against the Jags and then won – uh, this last week. So just two wins in their resume, but a good one over the Titans. So we put them now at 28. The Bears made their debut in our bottom five last week at the fifth worst team, but they, they've gone to fourth. We put them there, and we put them on upset alert tomorrow against the Lions. Um, Chicago, this is really too bad to where this season has gone. Last year they made the playoffs, but they were the seventh team. They are right there on the fringe, or basically the last team in. And I didn't really have expectations for them to be a playoff team, but I think it's just been a, it's been more disappointing of a year than I thought it would be. Um, to the point of, I, I honestly, I thought getting a guy like Andy Dalton gave him a security blanket and uh, just a professional, a winner, a guy that's been a starting quarterback, not your quarterback of the future. A little bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick can get you out of uh, harm's way if you're uh, just not ready to go or if Justin Fields got hurt, which he is now at the beginning, wasn't ready to go. But you really want to get to the point where you believe that Justin Fields is your quarterback of the future, and I think he's shown some signs of that, not full clarity of that. But the fact that the Bears now have just three wins and you know had their chances last week to beat the Ravens without Lamar Jackson and gave up the late score, uh, competed with the, the Steelers the week before that, and the uh, Niners got blown out by the Bucs, uh, the Packers, they just... The losses just keep coming. Their their win against the Raiders was a nice one, but there's not enough of those. They only have three wins. I put the Bears in the bottom five at 29th, so the fourth worst team. Uh, at 30th, 
third-worst team, Jacksonville. They've been down at the bottom almost the entire time. They know this is the year they're, they're going to have. They don't want to, but they're going to pick high again. The one thing they've done now is they don't have to pick a quarterback this year because of Trevor Lawrence. That's their quarterback of the future. And I'm going to maintain that um, I don't think Urban Meyer will be there very long. I think this will be a situation where we're going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence in a year or two and saying he's already under another coordinator, another coach, and what is his future with this organization. So we're not there yet. I think he's going through the lumps and bumps that we expect from him. He's had some good weeks. This last week, the Niners just took their spirit away with that opening drive and dominated the game with time of possession and, and got it in the Niners kind of scheme. So I expected the, the Jags to lose, and they did. We put them as the third worst team at number 30. All right, we go to the fourth worst team, 31. It's the Jets. we got the Jets sitting right there at 31. They're going through all sorts of quarterback situations, too. They're just two wins in the season. Uh, looks like Zach Wilson will be back. That's good. you got to see him get his reps, much like we talked about with Trevor Lawrence. Jets will pick high again, and they're going to be addressing other things likely than quarterback because you've already gone in on a high pick, and it's just been one year. But you don't want to be like Jacksonville has in the past or the Jets have been in the past where you take a quarterback high and then you move off from him. And teams do that. But if you kind of go all in on a position player that high, generally that player sticks around for a while. Quarterback, you've got to know. And so I allegedly this year's quarterback class isn't as good. But I can tell you as the draft will get closer, quarterbacks will keep moving up. Uh, franchises, ownership, GMs, they can't resist. They're always going to look to see if they can find their quarterback of the future. And people will overdraft and draft too high at that position. But the Jets come in as the fourth worst at 31 and uh, the worst uh, right here. Detroit, we're leaving them there. They've got the one tie. We had said a season goal for them should be at least one more tie so they can't be as bad as their 0-16 year. It would be 0-15-2. and But I've got them on upset alert tomorrow with the with the Bears. So we'll see how that one goes. We'll see if the Thanksgiving Day game provides any kind of magic for Detroit. But it's been a rough season um, at 0-9-1. And, and, you know, one win doesn't fix anything, but they would feel really good if they just got one. They don't want to see the zero in that win column. That's brutal. It's been a bad organization. They've lost a ton of games before. But you want at least a little bit of a reward. And they're a team that I wonder about. I know they made the trade for Goff. But if they picked one or picked that high, which they likely will, what will they do? What do they feel like their biggest need is? Because I don't know that they feel comfortable that they've got the guy in golf. So much so that Dan Campbell's even said that. But um, we'll see. We'll see when the draft comes around, what position they're in, and kind of how they've evaluated the current crop of talent that will be coming out of college in a couple of months. All right, now let's flip it from the bottom five again, which was the Texans, the Bears, the Jags, the Jets, to the worst as the Lions to the top five and number five and in the appearance for the first time in the top five the patriots new england i didn't expect them to be here but here they are they've done some really good things here in the last several weeks and we know they're well coached that goes without saying but now they're seven and four and their point differentials very impressive they've won five in a row their defense has always been good that shutout last week against Atlanta with another defensive score, that's that's maintained, and they got their guys back that missed on the year of COVID. But they've managed Mac Jones very well. Uh, the offense isn't this dynamic juggernaut, but it's effective enough and know what you're good at and limit the mistakes, limit penalties. And there are a few plays here early in the season from maybe this thing being 9-2 and two 
But they're seven and four. They're winners of five in a row. We put them at number five in our top five. All right, at number four, they lost last week. They lost to what's turning out to be a good team again, the Chiefs. I put Dallas here at four. I still have been impressed with the bulk of their season, uh, the consistency of their performance. They are seven and three. I know they have an easier division, but even when they've played higher level teams, think of week one, uh, I think of the win against the Chargers, week one against Tampa, just some of their other games. They've been they've been strong. They got the weird game out there, like everyone does against uh, theirs was against Denver, but I uh, still think pretty highly of them, talent wise too across the board. I'm going to put Dallas as the fourth team. Number three, another team that lost last week, but this one was a case of they didn't have the ball last, never got it again in the hands of Aaron Rodgers. The Packers and the Packers and Rams it can be a dynamite game this week, but uh, I put the Packers at three. Uh, the loss last week was uh, perfectly executed at the end. Time management football by the Minnesota Vikings. Once Rodgers tied it, they went down the field, made uh, Green Bay, you know, exhaust their timeouts, and then they just got themselves in a spot where they controlled the clock, controlled the field position, got a short field goal attempt, and said, we're either winning it or we're going to overtime. And the fact that they won it on a walk-off at the buzzer, basically, was perfect. Um, So that's how the Packers lost was all that done by Minnesota. So the Packers are still good. I'm going to put them at three. Chiefs. We uh, they debuted last week and they've moved up to number two based on everyone else losing around them. They're now seven and four, and still all those numbers that they can put up on a weekly basis, I don't even think has happened yet, and consistently at least. But they're back in that winning way of uh, four straight, beating a lot of decent teams in that run, and uh, won comfortably too. So I, I love their defense this last week against Dallas. That was the best part of that win against uh, for the Chiefs at Arrowhead against the Cowboys. So Wait, that. You said two. Yeah. They're not number one, Chris. Hmm. Interesting. I know you have a number one every week, but I had them out of the five for a long time. Yeah, and you're wrong. Am I? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Number one, Arizona. Nine and two. They go back to the top spot. They won last week, and they won again with Colt McCoy. So this team is still nine and two, and they've missed several weeks without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins. And they've done a great job. They really have. They're 9-2. and two, And maybe it won't change much this week because I believe the Chiefs and Cardinals are both off this week. So you really want me to put the Chiefs one, but I'm not doing it yet. They haven't quite earned it yet. Oh, they've earned it. <laughs> well, they haven't won the 10 Super Bowls that you suggested yet, but we got to give them more time to get to the 10, at least Mahomes, to get to his 10. But that's your uh, bottom five, Texans, Bears, Jags, Jets, Lions, top five, Patriots, Cowboys, Packers, Chiefs, Cardinals. All right, tonight, Kings basketball here at home. It's the Kings and the Blazers. Let's get into that. When we come back, we'll hear more from a new coach now, Alvin Gentry, as uh, the Kings trying to get their situation in order. We'll hear from the coach when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross with you here at Golden One Center tonight. Kings and the Portland Trailblazers. And to me, as we said, and I know Henry will probably say this when he joins us either for game night or with me on the pregame show, that right now it's, I don't even know if it matters who the Kings are playing. And that's not an indictment or a slight on their opponent. It's not at all. 
um, whether you're playing an NBA all-star team or the worst team in the league or a fully functioning team or a team in disarray. Everything right now to me regarding the Sacramento Kings is trying to find themselves again. And maybe you look at, I, I really do look at the nine games each separately, a five and four start, which a lot of that nine games, there was a lot of good basketball in there. The last nine, it's been so few and far between. They just have been out of sorts in a lot of ways and in too many games not having a chance to win. So what is the real team? Where are they? And, and you know, that right there, just in and of itself, is a team that's up and down and hovering a few days maybe above 500, a few days below. Well, that's what this team is doing. But they're really gone way below now at 6-12. and 12. And it could take a good two weeks and they're, you know, back closer. But... You know, I don't think anybody would be shocked leaving this building tonight. It's Portland won, and this is a Portland team that has just one road win. So I, I don't even think it's about Portland, though the Kings will scheme for them and plan for them and have to be ready for them. It's about getting their own uh, things in order. And so let's hear Avin Gentry, the new coach, kind of talk about that, just finding a way to get a W. Like I said, there's a lot of games left. Uh, but we can't keep saying that week after week after week. Somewhere along the line, uh, action's got to take place. And somewhere along the line, you know, you you, you got to change. You got to change what you're doing and uh, and find a way to win games. So, you know, there's no moral victories. There's not anything. We we we've got to play to win games. And you know, every game that we lose is just put us that farther away from uh, you know what our goals are. So. Um, it's tough, you know. We played a team that, you know, had a lot of their starters missing, and uh, uh, we didn't we didn't get the job done. And so, uh, I'll be the first to say I got to do a better job of preparing them and getting them ready to play, and then they've got to do a better job of playing. I mean, the last part I agree with the most that it, not the Alvin part, honestly, the players because I don't want to take coaches free of of blame or guilt here but you just changed head coach so the first opportunity for alvin gentry is this game you almost have to rely on the players even more on a day like that the players were the same the rotations were basically the same the people that played the most minutes were basically the same that helped you win games before and also caused you to lose games i you know as this goes on as gentry gets more of an opportunity to put his fingerprints on this team i think there's more times you can be hold him accountable as well but like we said yesterday when Katie was in, the philosophy that this team has was built with Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry and Coach Longbardi and Doug Christie and Lindsey Harding and Stacey Ogman and Coach Herskew. You just go down the line. Everybody's been involved in this. So it's it's a team-wide core concept philosophy that Alvin Gentry may say, okay, I want to run more. All right, that's fine. I think Luke wanted to too. But Luke was also looking for rebounding and defense, and I don't think Gentry wants to ignore that. But find the strengths, find the points of emphasis for even for the short term to get them out of this, out of whatever this rut is, and then start to build in some of those other elements. But right now, it's irrelevant who they're playing. They've got to find their own gear, their own comfortability, their own um, accountability amongst the players for one another. Their body language needs to get better. They need to look like they're having fun, all those things. I mean, we can list a lot of things that need to get better. Um, But another one that has to happen, and there's only one more opportunity here tonight at home, but they've been awful in this building. And so Gentry uh, talked about that, about being better at Golden 1. I, the thing that, that that's really disturbing right now is that we're having trouble winning games at home. And uh, in this league, you have to win your home games. You know, you have to be good at home. 
and then you have to be, uh, you know, decent on the road. And, and, and we're, we have not been good at home, and we've got to find a way to, to get that change right away. That's it. That's it. I mean, because generally you don't find it on the road. Now, the oddity of this year's team, the Kings' road record is actually not that bad. The home record's awful. And so we said it yesterday, there's not that many teams that have more road wins than the Kings. In fact, the Kings have more road wins than most of the teams currently in the top 10 in the Western Conference, than almost all of them but two. So that would be one that would be acceptable, that would work. But you have to be much better at home. We just talked about the Blazers, tonight's opponent, who has one home loss. So they're dominant in their building, and that home loss was to the Kings to open up the season. So finding a groove at home would be would go a long way here. Um, it's not going to save the homestand if they win, but it would be a miserable one if they lose tonight to go 0 and 4. All right, one more thing from Coach um, about just where they are, how all these games now are very, very important. Every stretch is important for us right now. You know, we don't have uh, we have very little margin of error, and uh, you know we got a ton of games left, but somewhere along the line we have to start talking and start playing and start winning games. You know, that's what we have to do if we're going to stay in the race or at, at all. You know, it's still early in the season, but, you know, you can't get to the point where all of a sudden uh, you're looking at every score that comes up and, you know, you're trying to figure things out. We have to take care of our own business ourselves. That's it. That's what they have to do. They can't look at anything else. It's about them. It's about them and finding it and finding a strength, finding a, a purpose to – to redirect it and and the desire to do it you know there's as much of it as that is like i said yesterday hating losing almost more so than you enjoy winning that terrible feeling that you have when you lose and when you get called out on social media and the and the media and uh, fans and all that you got to hate that you got to hate that so much that you want to avoid that again so more on that coming up. We'll start the next hour. We'll get more reaction to, to the Kings about their situation they're currently in and what to expect from tonight's Kings and Blazers game. And still to come as well, Lincoln Kennedy. That's all coming up as we continue here on Sports 1140 KHDK.